this, you'll recall. And, um, but I just felt that it was uh, not good enough just to leave Moses there. We, we need to uh, just travel with him a little bit further on. So not much longer, but just a little while longer with Moses. And uh, I found these uh, wonderful cartoons of um, Moses. Um, some the early years. Um, <laughs> remember Sports Day? And then a little bit later on, if you've ever had that experience. And those for sat-navs that don't always work. This is a map um, of the journey to the promised land. And just a few highlighted moments, particularly in the life of Moses. Moses um, is about to die. And uh, Deuteronomy is a book that he writes. And it means second law. It's a repeat, really. Uh, Moses asked the people of God to remember. Forty years of wandering in the desert were coming to an end. And a whole generation had passed. None of the adults that Moses had led out of Egypt, Aaron, Miriam, had died, except Caleb and Joshua, two of the original spies sent out to the promised land. So Deuteronomy records Moses' last words to the people, and they're more than just a tearful farewell. They are godly instruction and advice. Moses is aware that he will not lead the people across the Jordan to the promised land. But he wants them to give their hearts in surrender to the Lord. To bow the knee and serve the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind and strength. And not to repeat the mistakes of the past. Just a few verses uh, from uh, Deuteronomy, and then we're going to have a short reading, Mike, if we could have that ready. Deuteronomy 1, verse 1. These are the words of Moses that he spoke to all Israel in the desert east of the Jordan. In chapter 1, the spies were sent out, and in verse 25, they came back with a report that it is a good land. But in verse 26, it says, But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents. And then Moses said in verse 29, Do not be terrified, do not be afraid, for the Lord your God will fight for you, as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes and in the desert. There you saw how the Lord carried you as a father carries his child. And in verse 32, in spite of this, you did not trust the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey. 
Verse 35, not a man of this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give to your forefathers. And then we just pick up this reading in chapter 4. If we can, uh, can, can we go to that? Chapter 4, verse 9. Did I give you the wrong? Is that the one? Okay. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens, with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words but no, saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow, and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. We just pray. Do not forget the things your eyes have seen. Father, as we just spend a short while just thinking about this passage of Scripture and the context that it's in, would you speak to us as a church? Would you speak to us as individuals that we might be encouraged, that we, we might be challenged, that we might seek you above all things? In Jesus' name. Amen. The philosopher George Santayana said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And history is littered with people who have not understood that. Napoleon Bonaparte had created one of the largest armies in human history. He would have to do something incredibly foolish to prevent his French empire from dominating Europe for the next hundred or so years. But that's exactly what he did when he marched 700,000 men on a reckless invasion of Russia in 1812. And he discovered that his army was no match for the Russian winter. The sub-zero temperatures of that winter could itself defeat the strongest of armies. Only 40,000 frost-bitten soldiers made it back to France and the Napoleonic laws, wars were lost. It's history. Who would repeat such a foolish, vain thing? 1941, Adolf Hitler and his Nazi army controlled Europe from Norway to North Africa, from France to Crete. And what did he do? In his vanity, he invades Russia, discovering the hard way that the Russian winters haven't got any warmer over the intervening years. Over four million soldiers were lost in a carbon copy 
of Napoleon's foolish invasion. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. What on earth has that got to do with Moses? What on earth has that got to do with us? Well, I think Moses knew that if we forget the lessons of the past, we will lose our way. What God has taught us in the past, we need to keep hold of. What God has shown us in the past, we need to live with in the present. He had led the people of God out of Egypt under God's amazing, mighty hand. And God had delivered them and set them free. And He had promised the land generations before to Abraham. And yet a whole generation had to wander in that desert. A journey that would have just taken weeks. They wandered for a whole generation because they rebelled against God. Because they'd forgotten the promises of God. And so when Moses delivers this farewell speech that we have in Deuteronomy, he reaffirms God's covenant with his people with a recap, in some ways, of their history with God. Moses knew the people of God could be more forgetful than Jason Bourne on a bad day. Sixteen times in Deuteronomy, they're urged to remember. Eight more times, do not forget. Their greatest protection from disaster in the future was to look back on their past, their past history with God, with Yahweh. And it's something that's really healthy for us to do again and again and again. To look back on our history with God. He was the one who came looking for you. He was the one who died for you on the cross. He was the one who said, you are my child and I love you. I will be with you forever. Because sometimes our circumstances cause us to question who God is and what He's doing. It's as if our pain sometimes creates the image of God that we understand rather than the image of God would help us to see our circumstances as they truly are. To understand God's faithfulness and love will enable us and will encourage us and give us courage to stay with him in the coming days. So Moses reminds them in chapter 4, verse 20, the Lord chose you to be his people. He rescued you. He delivered you out of slavery. And he has called you to be his treasured possession, the people of his inheritance. That's who we are. Remember that Jesus said, I chose you. Do you remember when you first understood that? When Jesus said, I chose you. I remember the day when I chose Jesus only to realize that he had already chosen me. And it means so much more. <laughs> he chose me. Remember how God called you, saved you, 
and has promised you an inheritance that can never spoil or fade. All the riches of salvation. You see, the danger of God's people then and the danger of God's people now, and you read it in Revelation, the letters to the churches, that sometimes we can lose our first love. We can lose sight of who God is in the midst of all that goes on. And Moses is here saying to the people of God, you are going to enter the promised land. Do not forget God's goodness and his promises to you. Don't go your own way. Go God's way. Because when you go your own way, you will wander in the wilderness for a generation. He calls the people to remember. Moses reminds the people that God had made a promise to give them the land. It was theirs already. It was their possession. They just had to take hold of it. All the things that God has given us in Christ are ours. Now, we take hold of them. But Moses remembers how they didn't trust, how they rebelled, how a generation was lost, that moment with the golden calf, but also that moment when they heard the reports of the land being good, but they were giants in the land, and they were afraid and turned back. They didn't trust. And sometimes we... Even in the midst of the pain and the difficulties, where we do question, God, where are you? We have to hold on to the things we know about him. And what we know about him is his faithfulness, his love. It never changes. His promises are true. We must not lose courage. So Moses looks at this new generation. There must have been millions of those people at that campsite as they look over into the promised land. And Moses literally gave them courage to press on, encourage them. That they're to cross the Jordan and conquer the promised land. But to remember that God keeps his promises. Trace it back. Abraham and Sarah who were given a son. God who protected his people and took them to Egypt during the famine and then brought them out under his mighty hand. He had provided them, even in their rebellion, he had provided for them with manna and quail and water for those 40 years. And he had defeated their enemies. And God would continue to fight their battles for them. And for all their grumbling, he would remind them that the Lord your God carried you as a father carries a son. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the Apostle Paul would say. And um, last week was so humbling to be um, given such wonderful gifts and tributes and occasionally I do reflect on 20 years of ministry here and the ups and downs and and there have been just fantastic times 
We've seen God moving in power and wonderful ways and we've seen people come to know Jesus and we've seen some people healed and set free and the church has grown under God's hand. It's been amazing and we have to keep looking at him to give us courage for the next phase of what we are as a people of God together. That we need to have courage for the days that are to come and to press into God more and more and more and not dare to get to that point, as some of the people of God at one point said, well, we can't do this. Well, no, we can't, but God is great, and he is leading us. And where is Chipping Camden going to be as a church in 20 years' time? We don't know, in 40 years' time, in 50 years' time, but what we do now is we fix our eyes on Jesus, and we pursue him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Holding on to all that he said to us, all that he's done amongst us over the years. That we go back and back and trace God's faithfulness. He has never let us down. Never let you down. Never let me down. And they remembered these things. How God had been a faithful one. Chapter 432. Their holy one. 435. Their hope and ever-present help. 437. If they remembered these things, they would trust him for all things because when they enter the land, yeah, they would be faced with battles. They would be faced with enemies. They would be faced with those things that would come and oppose them. But this new generation under Joshua would go in and take the land. They remembered how their parents had listened to the discouragement of some and lost their courage. We need to challenge ourselves and say, who are we listening to? What are the voices that we listen to? The enemy would seek to discourage you, disable you, to make you ineffective, to lead you on a wrong path. But God wants you to have your eyes fixed on him and know the promises that he's given. And that includes us as a corporate body, as a church, but also individually. And sometimes there has to be that honest assessment of, do I love Jesus more now than I did before? Do I want him as much more now than I did before? And if I don't, what's happened? Have I taken my eyes off him? Have I drifted away? And as a good, good father, he is always willing and wanting us back. Sometimes we can give way to fear and discouragement. But we mustn't. When fear and discouragement takes hold of a people of God, they lose their way. And we must be the ones that give courage to one another and encourage one another. All the more. Be an encourager. Be one who gives courage. I'm a great fan. Some of you may know of The Lord of the Rings. Just fantastic films. It was the one book that I read under my covers as a, as a young teenager with a torch. I'm not very good at reading. I don't like reading so much. But that book I was glued to. And I didn't know at the time it was a story about God. It was a story about Jesus. It's a story about good and evil. It's a story how the king wins. 
But there's a scene when the return of the king, the final part of the trilogy, when Aragorn stands in front of those black gates and all the forces of evil are arranged against them. And he says this, I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. And a day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and we break all bonds of fellowship. And then he says, but it is not this day. And it's one of those, I mean, it's just perhaps me, but, you know, just think, yes. Uh, There may come a day when, as a church, we fail in courage and we fail to step up to what God is calling us to, but it is not this day. It is not on our watch. Because we are the people of God here in this place, called for a season and a time. We don't know how long we're here, part of this fellowship. But when we're here, we're here for the kingdom of God. We are not here for ourselves. We're not here for anyone else. We are here for the kingdom of God. And we're here to encourage one another, build one another up and say, yes, let's take the ground for Jesus. Let's have the courage to invite our friends, if we can, to those events that we have going on. Let's take the courage to stand in the midst of our circumstances when we feel like just giving up and saying, no, I will not give in. Because I know that God is with me. We know that faith is what pleases God. Without faith, Hebrews 11 verse 6, it is impossible to please God. We live by faith not by sight. And this is where you and I step into this story. God is still looking for people of faith who will go with him and go for him. Where am I in this? Where are you? Where are we? Let's not forget our past history with God. All of us, if we're believers in Jesus, have a past history with God. If we're not yet a believer in God, in Jesus, then why not start that history? even today. But we're not called to be fearful. We're called to be faithful. We're not called to be discouragers. We're called to be courage givers. We're called to hold on to the promises of God. But as Moses says, looking back on those spiritual milestones will encourage our hearts because we see God is faithful. And the things that we're still holding out for, the things that we don't see yet breakthroughs in, we entrust to him. Because he is faithful. I often tell the story of what God has done in this place because it is a remarkable story from Alice and her friends, three of them on one Sunday night, just praying for revival. And God has been faithful. And he looks for us to be faithful too. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together.